The boys are back together. The new Cap is pushing some buttons, and old Cap ain't dealing with their shit. Fights on an 18 with a couples therapy. R.I.P. Red Wing. And all of this is on episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Welcome to the MCU Pod, a companion podcast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Grant Davis, and alongside me is my co-host, Mike Moody Garcia. And today, our pod is going international as we bring <laughs> in our good buddy, host of MTV and the Televixen herself, Melissa Garamonte. Hi there. How's it going? <laughs> good. How are you? I'm doing well. I am so excited to chat about this show with both of you. Isn't it, man? This episode, <laughs> I, I'm, I don't want to spoil my hot take, but it was really exciting watching this episode. Yep. yep. It was a, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is that reunion. I just, I wanted these two guys together. I want, I want them chatting. I want them to be buddies and I want to be their buddy. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> tonight we are streaming the podcast live over on YouTube. And uh, yeah, we're talking about the second episode of Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And of course, we want to remind you that there's going to be spoilers. So deal with it. Yeah, it is what it is. Take that jabronis well, spo spoilers for the first two episodes we don't know what happens in episode three we don't we can other than they visit zemo maybe we've watched a lot of tv collectively though we might make some pretty solid guesses mm -hmm. um mike can you tell these jabronis about the podcast <laughs> itself yeah you can subscribe to the pod and follow on youtube and wherever you listen to podcasts find us at mcupod.com rate and review us on apple um if you are watching live now on youtube uh, toss us a few comments and questions in the chat. We'd love to see that chat going. Type in capital P-O-D, capital pod. Uh, if you want us to uh, mention your question or comment on the show. And we also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash MCU pod. We have a couple tiers. $2 tier, $5 tier, $10 tier per month. Um, we... Uh, we just did a non-MCU pod on the Patreon that was really fun. We talked about the Justice League Snyder Cut. So if you want to know, if if you can't guess our opinions on that, uh, then check out <laughs> our episode, only available on patreon.com slash MCU pod. And we had a special guest on that, our patron, Rich Murphy, who's here today. Yeah. Hey, Rich. Yeah. We had this guy, Rich. He's, yeah. he's one of the patrons. And uh, more incentive to become a patron because uh, maybe we'll we'll be able to bring you guys on on, you on uh, the show. Little minis or uh, the show or whatever. Yeah. Also, so, um, we are broadcasting live on Clubhouse right now. If you want to get into that, um, if you want to maybe have a chance to talk to us on the pod and maybe we can hear your voice a little bit, um, just fi find us on Twitter. MC uh, is it at, at MCU pod? Mm-hmm at MCU pod and click on that clubhouse link and get in the, uh, in the club, in the house, get in the club, join the, the club in the clubhouse. I'm, I'm not so hip to the, the clubhouse lingo yet. So yeah, this is our know, first time trying it. So yeah. So I've been guys... mostly a lurker in the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're just outside the clubhouse, like peeking over. No, I'm listening in on other people's conversations. I haven't been participating in any of them yet. Clubhouse is the number one eavesdropping app. <laughs> cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I uh, appreciate all of you who have joined us over there. Um, all right, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. The Star Spangled Man is the first episode, no, the second episode, rather, of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, written by Michael Castelline and directed, once again, by Carrie Scoglin. The, the IMD synopsis. And I don't know if other people are as amused by these. I just always think IMDb has garbage synopsis. And so I like reading them. I'm going to keep doing it. Anyway, their synopsis is John Walker is named Captain America and Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes team up against the rebel group, the Flag Smashers. Actually, that's a pretty straightforward uh, synopsis this time. Tells you everything and tells you nothing. <laughs> uh, so... We start these discussions the same way every single episode with our snap judgments. Mm -hmm. 
and we'll never be royal. <laughs> That's shh, don't say where I stole that song from. <laughs> it has good snapping. Melissa, you get to lead us off here with your snap judgment. And I know you weren't here on last week's episode, so you can talk about this episode as well as the series thus far. Uh, first off, what I've had to do is I've had to reframe things in my mind in order to get the full experience of this series. I've because WandaVision had such an impact on me and the way that they, you know, released those episodes and the pacing in that, which really, really, I really loved trying to readjust my expectations for this one so that it's more like a multi-part movie rather than a TV series. Once I started looking at it that way, I was able to enjoy it so much more. The action is brilliantly cinematic. It's probably better than any of the DC TV I've ever seen. Um, like the quality is up there. And um, that reunion, like that reunion, uh, the only thing that made me happier was getting distracted by Bucky's perfect lips. Oh, all right. <laughs> You know what's funny? That that sentence could have could have ended with any body part. <laughs> no, it's Bucky's, the it's the lips. <laughs> Bucky's perfect insert body part here. He's just so perfect. Buffy's perfect pinky toe. I I would have swore I still had the image of him. Um, oh, there it is. The the shirtless image of him uh, sitting up in bed. Ah, oh, but. <laughs> <sighs> There's hashtag uh, smooth. Right there. there it is. Yeah, zoom in on that chest. Man. Uh, how much? Woo! There it is. Yeah. Uh, to, right before it gets pixelated, and we're good. <laughs> the Bucky thirst is real. Mm -hmm. All right, Mike, uh, your turn. I'll uh, I'll take Bucky off of there. You know, last week I talked about how I I was really looking forward to this show because I wanted something um, a little more conventional from Marvel for their second TV outing, but that would surprise me. And that's what this show is continuing to do. This episode was um, conventional in that it's a it's kind of a buddy cop action show um, on a larger scale and with larger stakes. Um, but it also does some really surprising stuff. Like the big surprise to me was how um, I guess in the first half of this episode, I actually warmed up to our new uh, Popeye looking Captain America. John I Walker. actually warmed up to him. And I was like, okay, this guy's okay. But by the end of it, he was getting a little too cocksure for me. And I didn't hate him by the end of it. But I was actually surprised that um, the show decided to actually flesh him out and make him a character, uh, someone with his own viewpoint, someone with his own story. I was actually surprised that. And uh, I'm hearing a feedback loop. Okay. And it's gone. That was me. Uh, it's always you. It's always you. <laughs> it's always me. <laughs> yeah. I'm juggling and, things. Yeah. And, you know, what I, one of the great things about this show is that it reminds me a lot of Lethal Weapon. And I say Lethal Weapon and not just like a generic um, buddy action show. Because if you think about the first Lethal Weapon, it was really good. Um, the writing was great. The acting was great. The action was a lot of fun. There were surprises. It was a template for what a good action movie was. And that was a shame. Black script. This feels like the dialogue between Bucky and our man, the Falcon, feels like Shane Black dialogue. Shane Black's the guy who wrote Iron Man 3. He also wrote, you know, most of the Lethal Weapons. He's, he's done some great stuff. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. One of my favorite, you know, mm -hmm. kind of buddy cop movies. And that's what this feels like. This feels like, like just a, a great rat-a-tat back and forth between them. Plus, you have the big um, action stakes happening, and you have great emotional investment from both characters, um, not only in the main plot where the action's happening, but also on their own specific um, emotional journeys. And I have to say, I my chest tightened in that scene when all those cops showed up. You know, just watching that, I was like, what is going to happen here for a Marvel property to do something like that realistically and convincingly? Um, that's also surprising and it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm in the tank for this show. So good. Uh, before I get into my snap judgment, I want to hit a few of the commenters, the viewers snap judgments. Uh, Will Morris says 
showing up to Isaiah Bradley's house unannounced is a great way to get yourself hospitalized. I think that's a good point. Uh, Nicole Jackson says, I'm confused about my feelings for the new cap. He seems to actually want to make a difference, but I also hate him. And I hate the way the government is trying to recreate Cap and Sam. Yep. Yep. I think that's what they're going for there. (laughs) Um, Rich Murphy says, I like the slow ramp up in the action. And while they fit a lot in this episode, I'm still a bit worried that there's only four episodes left. Good. This episode went by so quickly. I could not believe it was over. Like it felt like an end when they got to Zemo. And it naturally felt like an end. But I was like, this is too fast. It's not going to end. Oh, it's over. I know it keeps making me wonder if this is going to be a an ongoing series. Is it mm. going to be more than just six episodes? Are they going to do a second season? Are I the last really... two episodes going to be three hours each? See, you know, it's got to be tough for them to plan to do just like a, a season here and another season there because they still have other plans for the larger universe of where these mm. characters have to go. Yeah. So and there's going to be movies interspersed that might affect this. And so I, I know they have it mapped out a lot more than most TV shows do, because this is billions of dollars of franchise that they're they're managing here. But, yeah, it, it's interesting if we're only going to get that many. Uh, one more here. Um, George uh, G. Miller says, uh, bless you, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for getting the taste of the Snyder Cut out of my mouth. Yes. <laughs> I think I said George Miller. I meant Jeffrey Miller. Um, yeah, my, my my quick snap judgment. I loved this episode. I thought that finally having these characters back together, their their banter between each other, the energy that they had, it was all fun. It was comedic. And when the action hits, I thought it was perfectly realized. I love how how everything is moving so quickly and yet it's not like a blurry mess. It's not a, it's not a top gun movie or something. I, I can see what's going on. I understand the choreography going on in all of the fight sequences. And that's, that's a testament to the directing, the CGI, the editor, like all of it, like how it's put together. It's just, it's, it's so clean. And I appreciate that. Um, And then, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that my only gripe was uh, how corny that therapy thing was. <laughs> Everything else was great. That would be my only my only gripe. I, um, I have a feeling Melissa. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish with no, your snap judgment. That was it. I have a feeling Melissa has a different opinion on the therapy scene. I don't know. I'm always a big fan of couples therapy for like working pairs. Also, uh, there there was a moment in in the show that was a little bit very very close to me chanting kiss 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 but hey <laughs> i was too i just thought the, the, i thought the therapist herself like what she was saying i was like come on this is not how a therapist would operate what i'm finding with some of the characters that some people just they, they aren't gelling for them for me the reason that i'm giving them more the benefit of the doubt or i like them a little more than i probably would is because i know them from other shows like the therapist i know her from bosch the new cap i loved him on lodge 49 mm-hmm. so i'm not as resistant to them because i've liked them in previous roles but i have a feeling that if i didn't know like their body of work prior to this i might not be as receptive to them I like that scene. Um, I mean, it got our two main characters together in a room to deal with their issues, and they didn't at all. So it sets us up for the um, that emotional arc in which they're going to admit that they do care about each other and, and they do respect one another sooner or later. But yeah, it, I can see how it would seem out of left field and kind of contrived that we're getting these two guys in a room just to argue and it's a little contrived and cheesy. But if you think about it, these are two guys, especially with Bucky who is just has this thick wall up more than anyone that this therapist has probably ever worked with. And she's tried everything. She's, we know that she's had a number of different um, sessions with him and just nothing is seeping through. Um, so to get her to um, 
getting her to this point where she's doing these really kind of experimental but forceful tactics, it made sense for me, character-wise. I don't know. I, I, I think I just recently learned about the term idiot ball. Have you guys heard mm-hmm. of it, the, the, the idiot ball? It is um, who in a script is has been handed the idiot ball and has to, for the convenience of the plot, play a little bit more of the idiot <laughs> or play out of type of their character. And Mm -hmm. I felt like for some weird reason, the therapist had to really like force like the situation she's bringing to people that are obviously in conflict with each other and resistant to even wanting to be in the same room or do therapy into this room. And then she's rapid fire without even like really any effort trying to like run through these scenarios just just as a service to us, the audience to have witty banter like it, it otherwise. I don't know. I, I didn't feel like it served any other purpose outside of um, outside of what we already knew that Bucky didn't like um, Sam handing over the shield and that Sam, you know, said, I, I you should respect my decision. Like this, this was something I, I needed to do for myself because I didn't feel like I wanted this or or earned it. But there was another beat there that you didn't mention. And it seemed like Bucky had something. Sexual tension. Okay. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, we did mention that, but Mm -hmm. it seemed like Bucky had a small breakthrough when, um, what was the line? I'm going to butcher it. So I'll just kind of paraphrase it. Um, Sam, you gave up the shield. So that means maybe Cap was wrong about you. And that means maybe he's wrong about me. So Mm -hmm. Bucky had never talked about that out loud on this show or, or maybe anytime. So he's, we're getting a big window into his self-doubt and we're realizing just how deep that goes and how that's affecting him. And that's kind of driving his gruff attitude these days. That was new. All right. All right. Fair. I'll I'll back off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had a comment down there. Somebody almost cried when he said that. Yeah. And and Sebastian Stan delivers the, there's so much going on in this performance from Sebastian Stan. He's hurt. He's an old man, really. <laughs> and he's a guy who is um, being stuck in rooms with a character he's not supposed to like, having witty banter back and forth, and it all works. All while wrestling with his demons and his guilt over what he's done in his past. Yes. All right, fair, guys. I love that scene more. <laughs> <laughs> well, of us. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Um, well, let's go ahead and jump into talking about the episode itself and the cold open in particular, where we get a little bit of, um, you know, this is this is such a such a lost thing to do. We get to see a little bit of uh, behind the scenes of this character that we've already written off. We've decided we hate this guy, John Walker, and we see that this is just like a, a regular guy who does kind of recognize the weight that is on his shoulders now uh, of taking up the cowl quote unquote of, of captain America. And I don't know. I I think how they portray him, it seems like a guy that I probably wouldn't, wouldn't enjoy having a beer with, but I would respect, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. This, this scene in what two and a half, three minutes is opening scene with him in the locker room. And he talks to an old friend and then his sidekick comes in this scene in two and a half minutes humanized this character so much, so much, even more than when he was out in the field and they were giving us his whole backstory. This piece humanized him so much. All his uh, his jitters about going out and debuting himself as Captain America in his hometown in front of the football field, uh, talking to everybody. Um, and that's what you want to see. And that's what that's the magic of Marvel. Right. We see. We see the pathos of these superheroes. We see what's behind the mask, behind the shield. And even with a character like this, who isn't isn't yet quite a superhero, but he's he's getting there. Right. Um, but the but the real point here is in two and a half minutes, they humanized this character to where he felt so deep. And in all of four hours, I felt no humanity for any of Zack Snyder's superheroes <laughs> in the Snyder You can bring it back up. <laughs> um, Melissa, what'd you think about the introduction of John Walker and I guess um, Lamar Hoskins, AKA Battlestar? 
Um, I, I really liked how it did much like Mike, like how it humanized this character because the immediate reactions after the first episode was who is this guy? I hate him. Like what the hell are they doing? And I was like, well, as I mentioned before, I do like this actor. So I'm curious to see where they go with him. And, and I did like his hump, like kind of the humble, the humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. So even in the, those couple of minutes, like they kind of established that he is perhaps extraordinary compared to some of his compatriots over the years, but he's a bit of a reluctant hero. And I think it was a good starting place because as we'll see later on and not to jump ahead too much, but the cockiness kicks in pretty quickly. So I, I liked that contrast and seeing the starting point for him and introducing Battlestar. There could have been a bit more. There wasn't quite enough. Um, but yeah, in terms of John, AKA new cap, um, I think they did that cold open was, was, was a good, was a good effort to try and make him, you know, at least people can kind of understand where he's coming from. Right. Nicole Jackson says in the scene with his wife or girlfriend, John Walker says he's, he's got no superpowers, but he gave Battlestar a look when Sam mentioned them in the back of the Jeep. And I'm thinking, He's probably got powers. You see how he was chucking the shield like like crazy, or how he like chucked the shield underneath um, Battlestar uh, as he was falling yeah. off the truck to catch him. I'm like, that, got, that's a degree yeah. of precision and coordination that that goes above and beyond. Uh, so I'm thinking he also got the dose. I was thinking this guy has. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking this guy does definitely have skills, but when they showed those clips of him working with the shield and how he can just catch it so effortlessly, and then it went on to that scene on top of the truck, uh, even though they lost the battle. I mean, there were like what six or eight super soldiers they were fighting. So yeah, they're right. gonna lose they're gonna lose the battle. But but that coordination you were talking about, this made me think maybe this show's gonna give us what we thought we were gonna get from WandaVision, mutants. Maybe he's a mutant. Whoa, whoa! I don't mm -hmm. think he's necessarily a a mutant. I That's think my theory. He's he's a mutant. <laughs> but, I mean, what what I'm thinking is Power Broker is a dude who figured out a um like super serum light. It, like uh, maybe it's one that you have to inject like frequently instead of like once mm. Captain America's Captain America, he's always good to go. Like he's so, maybe him. everyone's kind of juicing a little bit, mm -hmm. and it makes him super strong. Um, and it, and if that's the case, maybe all the medical equipment that they were stealing in the truck was that was serum that they're, they're going to use as flag smashers to try and like cause a new world order. Um, but at the same time, that might be what, um, what Battlestar and new captain America are, are on that allows them to go with a, a much higher degree of confidence up toe to toe with super powered people <laughs> because otherwise it's like, you're just a guy. No, I'm not buying it. Although that reel at the beginning did set him up um, to be a, an extraordinary guy. You know, he might not have powers, but the resume we got was very impressive, but he had like so many medals and led so many missions. And um, he actually, he actually did uh fall on top of a grenade and stop it with his body. And he was okay. <laughs> right. W one of my favorite scenes was this scene right here where we have mm. um, them driving up by in the, the Humvee and Sam and Bucky were just like, keep walking. They didn't want to get in there. Didn't want to deal with them. But eventually they all sit down and they, they start talking in the truck. And exactly that scene that you're talking about, Mike, where he's like, Bucky tries to challenge him. Like, you're not the guy to jump on a grenade. And he's like, actually I do. That's kind of my thing. I've done that a few times. The trick is, you know, put your helmet there and it catches the blast or whatever. And I was like, uh, I thought it was a, a funny way of framing it that like, you know, we keep wanting to judge him and compare him next to, to Steve. And there might be a degree to this guy that he, he has earned the respect um, to, climb the ranks to a certain degree as he has and now that he does have to carry this um 
this this weight uh, of the role he's he's not afraid to point out like no nah, dude i have actually done stuff too just because i wasn't there fighting thanos yeah don't 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 immediately second guess me here right so i don't know he he's he seems to be very confident but in a not an over cocky way in this scene with when in the in the humby or the jeep whatever that is i don't know yeah. from cars i don't know cars um <laughs> but once they drop them off Sam just says it. It's that last line, man. It's always that last line. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, I want you to be my wingman, like you're a Cap's wingman. Like, I'm I'm the boss, but hey, come support me, right? Don't, don't let's not be partners. You know, I'm not inviting you to join the team and be a partner. I'm I'm the boss. And I I thought that perfectly underlines and illustrates why Sam also didn't want to deal with this kind of thing. Like he, he knows that taking on the mantle, taking on the shield, trying to be a representative of, of, uh, of not just like, you know, people, but of a nation uh, being captain America that's, and dealing with the government in that way is, is a lot. It's it's one thing to brand yourself a Falcon and be kind of this um, untethered superhero. And I think that he, he kind of mentions that, right? He's like, yeah, well, uh, we're free agents. Like, we're, we're able to kind of go where we need to go. Um, y'all are the ones who have to answer the government. That, he's making a good case for why you don't want to have to deal with this government when this government turns around, takes his shield, and hands it to this guy, John Walker. Why would you sign up for that? Yeah, it, no matter how good John Walker um, seemed to be at the beginning of this episode, and that obviously got less and less as he became more cocky and cocksure as the episode went on, mm. he is a symbol of the system, right? He's a symbol of the system. And what has every Captain America movie taught us about systems? Do not trust them, especially if it's the American government. Right. Like He was like, uh, Captain America was on the run <laughs> from the government for the government was hydra (laughs) yeah the government was hydra and then when it wasn't hydra it still became his enemy so Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be captain america and who are you representing and who are you fighting because you also have to point out that like you know sam is on good relations with the military itself and does ops for them to try and help uh soldiers that are in in dire straits <laughs> around borders whatever like I was, as we saw in the intro uh the first episode but nicole, yeah i to take on that nicole jackson has a really good point here the fact that the government was tracking sam pissed me off all right yeah let's talk about let's talk about red wing <laughs> r.i.p poor poor sweet prince red wing got killed and um I, I felt that more than any death in a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> <laughs> Drink every time we shit on the Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, the, the fact that they're using Red Wing, it kind of makes sense. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have the same intel, but they're going to be like, oh, these guys are onto something. Let's, let's follow them. And that can be a good uh, publicity or at least training area for me to kind of get my feeling of being Captain America, because at least I'll be protected by um, Sam and Bucky <laughs> along the way. Which did you notice? Like he can't, they like um, they got in that battle in the, the uh, with the semi trucks. And then when Sam just kind of grabs him and they like go away, they don't go back to help the other two guys. They're just <laughs> like, y'all are on your own. <laughs> you want to join into this fight? Have at. Well, I like that because Sam, Sam, Sam's mission changed right there. His mission was, I'm going to save my friend. Right. Right. I love that. I love that he, even though these guys seemed on the surface to hate each other, they, they have one thing in common, the man who united them, right? The man who inspired them. And that man saw something in each of them that was very similar. And they feel that that's kind of what binds them and connects them. So they're going to have each other's backs no matter what. And I think that that relationship is just going to grow and get deeper 
and more complex as we go in this series. Mm -hmm. That that whole uh, sequence too with the semis and all that, and kind of ties into what you were saying, um, Mike, about, you know, are we seeing mutants? I started wondering if perhaps the new Caps uniform is some type of an enhanced uniform and is protecting him because once he lost the shield at that one point it's like he fumbled a little bit so I'm almost wondering if you know I mean we know the technology exists Tony Stark has done it like he Tony Stark would probably wouldn't have been a superhero without his suits so that's another scenario that I've been playing out in my mind if you know this new cap is nothing without without the suit so hopefully they'll they'll dig into that a little bit yeah, do you guys remember, didn't he mention that he had, uh, he made a joke about his helmet and how it's reinforced? And he's like, oh, it's a whole yeah. thing. Is that, yes. Yeah. Is, are you really talking about your entire suit, bro? Is that why you can do the things you do? But in the in the Good Morning America interview or whatever it was, they did mention that his speed and ability in his body has been studied by by scientists at MIT because because his he's so strong and his his. He's almost like a superhero, but he's not. Okay. It would be interesting if they go the, the mutant route. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I take I take slight umbrage, um, Melissa, <laughs> with, with the suggestion <laughs> that that Iron Man wouldn't be a hero without his suit. Well, like Captain America said, called him out with that, and that was the entire point. He's, she he said, is guy in the end. She said I superhero. Mean, yeah. No, Tony Tony was without a doubt a hero. Like that man was a hero. His abilities though, like his what would be considered like the superhero abilities came from the suit. The other abilities that he had, the intelligence, the the way he could think through a situation to save the day, think through space and time to save the day. Um, I'm not denying that at all, but when it comes down to it, like he wouldn't have had as much protection if he didn't have that suit on. He's a mutant as well. I mean, I guess <laughs> Tony was a mutant, super, super intelligent. Can't he's like forge. He could make whatever he <laughs> thought of. Apparently, forge. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, speaking about Bucky and Sam, and now that they're reunited, their relationship, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into, uh, their dynamic. Because, um, yeah, like these guys are are constantly squabbling like a couple of brothers who seem to have this like just respect and love for each other, you know, built upon their their experience together. But there's still this this constant friction between them. And it, it feels like. Sam is the older brother in a way, and Bucky's the 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 puppy kind of following him along in this episode which is a little bit weird when you think about bucky being like 100 years old or whatever what'd you guys make of that i loved how it, it reminded me a lot of like the the action comedies that i watched growing up and loved like that dynamic between the two of them i think it just adds such a a nice layer to this show and yeah i totally see grant what you mean about that you know Bucky may be the older person, but in this situation, it's almost like he's new again because he spent so many years, um, you know, working on the opposite side. So he's almost right. gone through a rebirth. So that that kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know, like at, at some points I thought, is he looking for validation from Sam or is he just trying to prove to Sam that, you know, he's capable and can be a help or, you know, that he is the person that you know, Cap always thought he was like, I, it, I like all the different directions, like the different threads that they potentially set up and layering the comedy in there too, I think is a really, really nice touch. Right. The big, the big three androids, aliens and wizards. It's always one of those. <laughs> uh, I, I read I... the Hobbit <laughs> when it was released. He's like the total, in that moment, he was the hipster. He was the guy like, I liked that band before you even heard of them. Like, I just, I laughed so hard at that moment and I loved it. He knew it before it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the whole like moving stealthily through the warehouse too. And then he's like, man, yeah, you should have just, you, you missed out on a whole lot. And, and then Sam's like, what'd I miss? Nothing. He's like right there on his shoulder the whole time. Right 
like all of it like the whole thing was like it, it seemed like unrelenting the the kind of snark between them I, I like this comment here from nicole who says sam and bucky are like siblings they can't stand each other but you can't screw with one of them without the other coming for you i feel that's pretty dead on between these guys yeah also the line a sorcerer is just a wizard without a hat i nearly died <laughs> How proud he is of it. He's like, yeah, I just came up with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, is Tony Stark. <laughs> so the Flag Smashers. Let's talk a little bit about what is the deal with these people. Because are they bad? That's kind of the question now I'm, I'm landing on. I feel like they might be up against a bigger foe and threat than us, the audience, are aware of. And they're being portrayed as the villain. But I think as we dive deeper, we might realize that they have a better goal for society. I don't know. I, don't you guys feel like uh, like us? We, we all feel like people in power are just bad. <laughs> and like that's what they're rebelling against, too. Like, oh, you know, when the blip happened, we lost borders. People were helping each other across borders because we were all in this like shared trauma. We were all having to work together for that. And then once everyone came back, it was back to the, the old world order of individual nations fighting for resources against each other. But I think that's what, what they're preaching. And like part of that message to me, because that's not necessarily so bad. All I've seen them do so far is um, rob a bank. And uh, they, they did stomp our, our boy uh, Torres in, in the face when he tried to stop one of them, but they robbed a bank and then they they stole some medicine from somewhere. So I don't know. The, the questions we need to have answered are, what is their end goal and what will they do to achieve it? Will they hurt people? Um, will they hurt systems? Yes. Will they, will they hurt people to hurt those systems? And what does that say about their leadership, right? Are they truly evil or... You know, part it, it's it's there's so many questions hanging over these this group. But again, I like that this show so quickly again humanized these characters when they showed up to the safe house. And it's a fun scene where the their host is so excited to to greet them and he, he gives them these baked chicken livers that nobody wants to eat. And they kind of joke about it and they kind of they they're friends, they're buddies, you know, they're like People we could hang out with, unlike the Captain America that we're seeing, the new guy, we probably could have a beer with the Flag Smashers because they seem pretty chill. They seem pretty cool when they're just hanging out and, uh, you know, not running away from who knows who they were running away from. Also, but, with, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, I was going to say, when they arrived at that safe house, the guy who's so excited to greet them refers to them as a Robin Hood. So that implies mm -hmm. that they're somehow trying to, um, you know, fix some, like some type of injustice, some income inequality, whatever it may be, whether it's access to medicine, like during the blip, people would have been more more likely to share their resources, share their funds, share their their medicine, like all that type of stuff, food, whatever it may be. And now that those borders are back up, it's all like power plays and they're trying to level the playing field a bit. So that's kind of the sense I'm getting from them. I don't think that they're inherently evil. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that there's potential for some of the characters to be spun in that direction. Um, but I don't think that their initial goals, I think their initial goals are, you know, more altruistic than, you know, devious. Definitely more to explore with what's going on there. Um, yeah. Uh, G Miller 47 says not knowing who exactly to trust fuels the espionage feeling of the original winter soldier movie. It's a good touch here. Oh but yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think how we keep getting exposed to different characters and going, oh, I know what that is. And then going, oh, maybe maybe, maybe John Walker's not so bad. Maybe he's still a little bit of a dick, but not necessarily a foe so much as a, a nuisance <laughs> for our, our main you know characters. And then like, you know, assuming that the Flag Smashers are, are bad because they uh, they curb stomped our boy Torres, but maybe um you know him trying to stop them from a, from that 
really sweet flash mob they organized he had it he had it coming a little bit i don't know possible so uh, a quick another weird crazy thought ran through my head when when i realized what the flag smashers were doing and they're they're motivated by wanting the world to look and feel the way it did during the blip Mm. i was like are are they trying to kill half the population somehow like Thanos, Thanos thought he had altruistic motives. Ooh, okay, that's that that could be a bit heavy. Like if mm-hmm. going back to what the blip is, literally by trying to do something like that. Oof, I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, they said there's no turning back. Like so, it, I assume next episode we're going to see them make their big move. And yeah, and um, that's like, a crazy like- suggestion. Like Kern is saying here in the chat, flip side, though, is the Flag Smashers seem to be upset that the GRC is spending so much to help the blip people. Should the governments tell the return people you're on your own, folks? Yeah, they're pissed that the people back from the blip are they're getting their stimulus checks. You know, they don't like that guy. Get them stimmies mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to buy I- those stonks. <laughs> As an aside, I just want to point out that um, that uh, Jeffrey's saying John John Walker is Satan. He must die. I hate him so much. <laughs> Melissa, tell us about the actor playing John Walker. You saw him in Lodge 49. I didn't catch oh, all of that. I loved that show. And for anyone who doesn't know who he is, he's Wyatt Russell. His parents are uh, this couple you might have heard of before, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. His older siblings are well-known actors. His half-sister is uh, Kate Hudson. His half-brother is Oliver Hudson. So, you know, from an acting legacy family. And I admit I didn't know a ton about him before Lodge 49, but his role and, like, his performance on that show was just so endearing and so charming. And I just, I loved his character from beginning to end. And I was very sad that that show ended um, because it was just one of those kind of quirky one of those quirky shows that you kind of hope will last if you know four or five seasons but they always get cut short and so this is him being in this has lessened the blow a little bit of lodge 49 being canceled because i'm still angry with amc over that um and in that show he plays kind of like a a surfer dude from california who's dealing with like his father's death and uh, a shark bite that he sustained while surfing and, and, you know, just like losing his entire family's like money where his dad already did. So it's like dealing with all these different things. And so when I first saw him on this, I was like, oh, so is this the continuation? Is this where the character ended up? But I, you're talking about John from Cincinnati. Is that the show you're talking about? No, Lodge 49. Is that what John from Cincinnati was about? Who knows what that show is? I never watched it. Every time I hear about like a surfing show, I'm, I'm reminded of John from Cincinnati and go, what was that? Shit? <laughs> this was like a guy who was the son of a guy, like a son of a man who had this like swimming pool empire in California and lost it all and then died. So, and then his, he's, de- he's forced to deal with like all of the fallout from his father's death and financial ruination and all that. And then he discovers this like mystical society, kind of like the Masons and he becomes a part of it. And like, there's like a treasure hunt. So it's kind of like, it's it like, it has almost like a bit of a Goonies element to it as well, which really, really spoke to the child in me. Hmm. And it just, you watched it and you, it made you feel good too. Like it just kind of restored your faith and like humanity and stuff like that, which was why I think I, I enjoyed it so much. Plus like these little mystical elements that were, that were in there. So, um, he definitely has an interesting range. Um, and this is a different, like a different role already from what he was playing in that. So I, I like that he's showing like the other side of the coin that he's able to play. Cause a lot of people just dismissed him as you know, this, he is a former hockey player. Like he was a hockey player and was supposedly going to go to the NHL until he had an injury. He looks so, like a hockey player. Yeah, in this photo right here, looks exactly like Kurt Russell. Yeah, uh, or or should I say, um, Star Lord's dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh Ego. my gosh! I've just the connection. It's all coming together. It is all coming together. Um, there you go. He he's a living planet. 
He's what? a son of ego. Is that's that that's where he gets his powers. Okay. Okay. Now, now it's all clicking for me. Yeah, it's clicking. Um, I wanted to talk about our. We we only saw him briefly, but uh, Isaiah Bradley, who yeah. we we had mentioned last week's episode, we we saw a little Easter egg uh, in the end credits of this of this actor um, playing the the first Captain America. A little bit of the history is that akin to the Tuskegee experiments um, before the government used the super soldier serum on Steve Rogers, they experimented on, um, on, on black soldiers and Isaiah Bradley was the first one where it was successful. And he went on to be used as a soldier uh, to fight in a whole bunch of uh, secret campaigns, but didn't get the same exposure that Steve Rogers did as like, you know, this, this front man, uh, rah, rah nationalism. So understandable that he would be like, fuck y'all. <laughs> um, anyone comes knocking on his door being like, Oh, are you Isaiah Bradley. But uh, also in particular to Bucky, who he had to, who he met and had to fight apparently when he was a, a cold war, you know, serial killer, super agent. This scene and the scene that followed with the cops out in the street is the, the surprising level of death that the show is offering that I didn't mm -hmm. think we, I didn't necessarily know we were going to get. And I'm really appreciating it. Um, Carl Lumley, the actor here who plays Isaiah Washington, you felt all of his pain in this scene. He emotes so well. And I'm so glad to see him in the MCU because he came over from, wasn't he in Supergirl? He, he played uh, Martian Manhunter's father. Right on. Yes. And he did, uh, I mean, within the limitations of that series and its budget and its writing, he did a phenomenal job of like conveying emotion. So seeing him in a storyline like this with some really, really solid writing and really solid production just makes him shine. And I mean, like I'm a fan from back in the alias case too. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this was, this was a really exciting um element to be to be introduced and also like gut-wrenching and like heartbreaking like that scene and the one that immediately followed just so so timely and you know so front of mind right now i sort of suspect this won't be the last we see of the character i mean it might be just a, a little nod to more of the you know fucked up racist history of, of this country and the exploitation of of black people in the country, but we could see more of, of this actor and that would be welcome. I would love that. I, I think uh, Nicole has a great um, little point here about uh, his, his grandson, Elijah is actually in young Avengers in the comics. And we saw him answer the door. Um, it'd be cool if we could see him alongside uh, Torres as two of the young Avengers throw in, um, throw in the two sons from WandaVision. We, we're, we're forming a team here. That could be kind of exciting there. Maybe yeah. that'll be the goal of these of these series is yeah, to introduce. Sprinkle. Ah, yeah, well, once we well, get the Miss Marvel series, we'll get them all together and see what happens. G. Miller says this this show in these scenes in particular are giving me flashbacks of the HBO Watchmen series with the tone. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. I, yeah. I think you know talking about this this unspoken. Um, and often uh, whitewashed trauma uh, of this nation and um, bringing those stories a bit more to the forefront is, is so crucial. And I, I appreciate even, even in the, the onion peel slow approach that they're doing here, that they are dancing around and, and starting to address some of, of these issues here. Uh, and M Mike, uh, you were talking about the scene that follows this which was the the cops coming up and approaching them when when Bucky and Sam are arguing in the street. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, on the page, that scene could have, maybe a few years ago even, if we saw a scene like that, it would have felt a little contrived, um, but it doesn't anymore. Not for me, anyway. Not for me. 
I know for a lot of people, maybe it would it would not feel contrived, but everything that we've seen in the past, I don't know, year or so or more, that scene felt so relevant and so real. And like I said, my chest tightened when I saw that happen. And the way they were harassing Sam and asking Bucky if he was okay. Right. Like I said, I mean... And and it made me realize also that, you know, I, I'm somebody who, who uh, I'm an empath, you know, I feel people's feelings. I get drained a lot around people because I just pick up on so much and, and I have a lot of empathy for people. But, um, but a few years ago, I would have seen a scene like this and been like, oh, I know that happens, but that, does it happen that often? But everything that we've seen and that we know now, we know it does. Uh, so when this happened, it just felt so real. And and it, it I just had a flurry of emotions um, coming up during this scene. And then when the other cop car arrived and all of a sudden there's like six cops on the scene. And everyone's, everyone has spectators watching these two. Yeah. And it just felt like everything's just spinning out of control. <laughs> it, like yes. You could see how quickly things that don't have to escalate escalate by everyone coming in and making a snap snap judgment uh, about that kind of situation. That was really powerful, especially following the scene that just happened with Isaiah Washington, that I, the fact that these themes are being woven into this series and into the Marvel universe as a whole, I think is really powerful. And it's, it's powerful because everybody's watching this. It's powerful because depictions of heroes like Sam, of heroes like Isaiah, and what they have to go through on a daily basis, um, even though they're powerful, it's important for people to see that and realize the systemic racism that is plaguing our country. The other thing that I think really stood out, like, first of all, I immediately stopped like I was like sh- like dumbfounded when the the police officer started approaching Sam and it was only recognizing that he was so like hey oh wait look who that is and then they laid off but then they get the word that there's a a, a warrant for Bucky and the way that they arrested Bucky I was like if that had been Sam he wouldn't have been arrested that way. There would have been boots on necks. There would have been six of them swarming him. And it made me, it made me uncomfortable. But I, I see that as a good thing because I know that the way they approach these things is so wrong and it frustrates me. And I feel so powerless and just the amount of emotion that they put into that scene. Like, I think when this series is, is finished, that is like one, one of the scenes that's going to stick with me, like for years to come. You know, I, Disney is a big corporation and I think it's really easy to just go, ah, th- those guys are, um, they do what they do for the dollar. So, for them to allow the creative freedom and, um, you know, moral freedom, I guess, to uh, for for Marvel to be able to tell the story in the manner that they're doing and show scenes like that rather than being like, oh, too timid. And uh, we don't, we don't want to um, uh, be off putting to any of our potential audience, I, I think is it's it's important and it's it's good to see that they they do that i, I mean this they could have been even more intense and and with these these kind of scenes but i i feel like this in itself still at least addresses and and um points out that this problem in a way that felt I want to say appropriate. It felt um, it felt real, <laughs> I guess. Scenes like this are also like really emblematic of the fact that huge corporations like Disney are acknowledging that there are viewers out there who want to see 
these life experiences acknowledged on the screen right mm-hmm. and 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 that's important like we we have a a quote here from nicole yeah can can somebody read that that font is so small for me the the fact that disney is not backing down from this and is showing the uncomfortable parts is amazing to me as a black woman that's from nicole Jack. exactly exactly um yeah uh i i thought that i thought that all of it you know it took bucky telling the cops you know like hey that do you know who you're talking to before they recognize they they took a step back and went oh wait without the goggles ha 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 and it was it was a, a flashback to the scene in um in the bank when when sam's trying to get a loan and like oh gee it's you um and now we can we can just be uh uh celebrity fans and and want your autograph but still not acknowledge <laughs> how we treated this situation and right. and how we're not going to help you and you know I, I i think that this show is this show and, and wandavision and how they kind of don't shy away from heavier material and do address it um are so much a testament to how much Zack Snyder's Justice League sucks. (laughs) (laughs) We need a horn every time. (laughs) I I have not watched that yet. And I didn't have any plans to watch it. But now I just feel like I need to watch it. So I can crap all over it with both of you. I started watching it on (laughs) Saturday. And it's still playing. (laughs) It just doesn't stop. Like um, Batman is still posing. It's so uh, at the end of this episode, we have the boys going to visit a guy named Zemo. It's happening. They're, they're bringing back a yeah. guy who uh, caused uh, massive bombings and uh, was a terrible guy. And I hope he just joins the crew and he's he's just a lovable. Uh, it, it's a it's a retcon of the character and he's our new um, Spike or uh, whatever. Uh, Benjamin Linus, you know, the villain who is right. now lovable and just part of the squad. Man, the uh, the introduction to Zemo was so cool because when we see him in Civil War, he's kind of just a guy, but he's a guy who lurks in the shadows and unleashes all this chaos. So by the end of the movie, you realize just how smart and powerful and dangerous he is. Um, so by the time we get to this episode and we, they talk about going to him in these kind of hushed tones, mainly because he can potentially control Bucky and turn him back into the evil winter winter soldier. Um, Zemo's first introduction to the show gets this grand, dark uh operatic music to it you know and we see where he's locked up and it's like he's the joker but i think the mcu has earned it the character has earned it at this point and i really wanted to follow him into that cell and find out what's going on and then it's it just ended was this episode shorter than last week's because it felt shorter i don't think it was i don't have the count I think it was about 43 minutes, something like that. 43 oh, or 45 minutes. Last week's was like maybe 10, 15 minutes longer. Yeah. I think also, about the same. also, if I recall correctly, isn't Zemo Sokovian, which is also like Wanda? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched since I've watched the uh the earlier films. So I yeah, think I'm due for a rewatch. <laughs> Zemo's um, beef with the Avengers is that because of Ultron, Age of Ultron, then making Ultron, and then Ultron lifting up all of Sokovia and then dropping it, Zemo lost his entire family. Like they all died. And that's yes. why he was like, um, fuck all y'all Avengers. I'm going to so, so much chaos. This is my Jane Lynch thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going to create so much hostility between you guys that you just tear each other apart. And uh, he was a success. He's one of the villains that um, set out for a goal and achieved it without the heroes stopping him. So uh, props to him and Thanos. I believe those two are uh, in the upper echelon of, of villains that, that yeah. did it. The two successful villains other than maybe Loki. But he's just successful because we love him. L- Loki's an adorable villain. <laughs> Is he a villain? He's kind of sometimes a good guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. not as cool 
as our good guys in this series, um, Bring the White back. Panther and the Black Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> a white, he's a white. Uh, what they call White Wolf. White Wolf, mm-hmm. which uh, is is a nod. I think he becomes the White Wolf for a bit in the comics, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So when he he mentions that was his name, and Sam's like, "What?" But, Dude, yeah. when he he what was he trying to prove, Bucky? When he jumped out of that plane. And just landed on his fucking arm, and <laughs> just, at least Cap like Cap did does that, but Cap does it more gracefully, and I think Cap like lands in the water, nice and safe. It was so funny. I figured it was a way of of showing us or reminding us that uh, Bucky's He's more than just a metal arm. He is like a superhuman who, like Captain America, can handle that kind of pain. Mm. Yeah, but obviously. And it was funny. Yeah, obviously he's not the ideal choice to hand over a shield to because he's also uh, recovering from being the world's most deadly assassin. He's so. a little reckless. Yeah. yeah. And I, I left the element, you know, you know, I'm filming all of this. Like, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> that just, you know, it's so typical. Everyone's phones are up or their drones are filming or whatever it may be. It, it really, it it was real. This This episode was the first one to start with a cold open, which we got with John Walker. And um, I'm a big fan of cold opens, Mm -hmm. especially with Marvel, because then when we get the credits, it's always more cinematic and like more of a thrill, the the rolling Marvel comic flipping logo. Um, This time it was with the marching band instead of uh, Mm -hmm. the the Marvel theme. And I I, I liked it. I, I thought this is cool. It, yeah, it didn't have the it. same emotional punch as I mean. It's it's like every time I watched Game of Thrones, I needed to hear at least the beginning part of that music to just go ready for some murder or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it was good. I, I still I, I like them kind of playing with that. More of that, please. If they if they're listening. Yes, more. Um, all right. Do you guys have any other kind of uh, closing thoughts or theories that uh, for what we should kind of anticipate here? I'm, I'm really. Pretty... Yeah. Well, go ahead. Suffer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I really, really, really want to learn more about Carly. Carly mm-hmm. Morgenthau. Who she is, why she's doing what she's doing, how she ended up with these, with these abilities because she's obviously like she's she's a force to be reckoned with so that's someone i hope is explored more like at, at least if not the the upcoming episode at least like within the next two episodes yeah she's obviously leading a group that has such a a, a zealotry to their cause that one of the guys will sacrifice his life to this power broker guy who i guess randy was trying to tell us last week is very likely the guy um behind a lot of the injections of super soldier serum into people but uh yeah that guy um went in and didn't really do like the best of jobs he probably uh he probably could have uh saved his own life by impeding their cars and then running in the opposite direction instead of running toward them but whatever whatever it's fine the plane got out of there either way Not the best move, guy. Um, <laughs> what is her name again? The leader of the Flag Smashers? It's Carly. Carly Morgenthau. Yeah, Carly. I. What I it's love about gender bend on the comics where it was okay. Carl Morgenthau who was known okay. as Flag Smasher. One of the things I really like about the character is that she doesn't have followers. People aren't worshiping her or following her. Uh, they're following the cause, and she seems to have real empathy. For everyone in her group like when he passed away even though it's kind of silly how how the guy slowing down the other guys passed away you you felt that pain that she had and she seems like somebody who has a a, a real empathy and somebody who is really committed to this cause which can be really dangerous so and and she also has powers and so i can't wait to see how this character develops. Also, a theory, uh, the power broker is Mephisto. (laughs) Played by Cameo coming up, Al Pacino. (laughs) Hua! 
Oh, I think we can end it there. I think that's good. <laughs> Do um, not watch that Snyder cut, Melissa. <laughs> Melissa. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us this week. Where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at the Televixen, or you can check out my podcast, FemTV, at uh, femtvpodcast.com. Thank you so much. Mike, what about you? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Mike Moody Garcia. You guys can follow me if you if you so please, if you so wish, so please. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, at Baron Von Grant, you can follow our podcast at MCU Pod. If you're over here on YouTube right now, go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well as maybe that notifications button. When you hit that notifications button, every time we go live, you'll be notified. That's literally what it does. Um, next week, we're going to be back here. Same time, same place, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, talking about the third episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We um, hope you guys are going to stick around and join us. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, I know Randy was very disappointed he couldn't join us this week. I'm sure he'll be back next week as he's doing an every other week thing. So we'll uh, pick his brain for all of his deep well of comic knowledge. Um and uh, if you guys want to help support us, uh, once again, that's patreon.com slash MCU pod. You can get kick in uh, two bucks a month, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. And um, we'll do bonus exclusive content for you guys. We appreciate so much. All y'all. I think that's it. I think we're done for the episode. You know, I still feel like we've been doing this for a couple months now and I don't have like an appropriate sign off. I don't have like a Seacrest out kind of thing. Konichiwa, bitches. Should it be Konichiwa, bitches? <laughs> no, no probably not. Probably not. No, I, I, that, I that was wrong. That I was wanted wrong. to have something kind of clever that played off of the MCU, but I can't think of like anyone's like, uh, I am Iron Man kind of like, what, what's your out? I'm not going to say that. I'm not Sorcerers sure. are just wizards without hats. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and we're out. Bye, y'all. Okay.